What is good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Stats and Mags on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and she is Michelle Maju. Good morning, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I am good. I'm in a good mood. I watched the Friends reunion last night on HBO Max. It was excellent. It was very well done. You are not a true fan, so of course you have not watched it. No, I, I, it's honestly one of my favorite shows of all time. I grew up watching it. I watched it way too young. My parents were like in love with <laughs> friends. So I was like a seven and eight year old sitting there like watching friends, but I still watched it all the way up until a couple of years ago. I think I finally went through it too many times where I just was like, all right, I'm done. But it's top three favorite show of all time. I want to watch the reunion. We went into HBO Max last night to watch it. And apparently we didn't have the subscription anymore. And then I was too lazy to go redo it on a computer. So I gave up. (laughs) You should definitely do it. It was really well done. It wasn't just like a clip show where they went back to them and had them like react. It was it was really cool. They do this thing where they let them walk on the set and there's no host. It's just them talking about their memories and stuff. It was very well done. And I'm not even like the biggest Friends fan. I heard, I already saw a spoiler about David uh, Schwimmer and, uh, what's her name? Rachel. I don't know why I can't think of her name. Jennifer Aniston? Yeah, Jennifer Aniston, like the biggest uh, yeah. You may have heard of her. Yeah, uh, but I heard, I heard about them having a crush on one another throughout the show. Is that correct? They're, they do get into that a little bit, and... Um... Let's just say uh, Matt LeBlanc throws in a little side comment that made everybody wonder, but I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's there's a little more to it than that. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'll have to. I'm definitely going to watch it. We'll watch it this weekend. Okay. Last thing on this before we move on. What is your all-time favorite Friends episode? Ooh, that is such a good question. And you did not prepare me for this. I feel like I need... A second. There's only one answer. Come on. No, are you are you thinking of like the quick speed round game show episode? Yes, of course I am. That's the episode. It's it's fantastic. But you know what one I love is the one where Ross got high. The one where his parents think that Chandler is the one that uh, made Ross a pothead in college, and like uh, Phoebe is in love with Monica and Ross's dad. Like that's a great episode. That's that's pretty good. But to me, the game show one was brilliant because like we could play along as the audience and all the answers to the questions were all jokes. I just I thought that was like home run. Best episode of Friends ever. By the way, if you like that kind of thing, me and RJ Ochoa did the look ahead yesterday for the SB Nation NFL show in honor of that episode. We use the same categories. We asked each other trivia questions based on the headline of the day. So you definitely want to go and check that out. Okay, this is a 49er show, not a Friends show. So let's get on to the news of the day, Michelle. And of course, it's May, so you know what that means. Major injury news for the 49ers. Jeff Wilson Jr. injures himself. Listen to this. This is insanity. He injures himself after a workout standing up out of a chair. And he's out four to six months. Like, what the hell is happening? What is wrong with the 49ers backfield? Like, why can't they stay healthy? I don't know. Like, these are athletes in the prime of their lives, in the best shape of anybody on the planet. And he gets up out of a chair and John Lynch said he got stuck. I mean, yeah, I don't really understand. That's uh, I remember Dalvin Cook in college. He tripped up the stairs and like destroyed his shoulder. <laughs> like, what a weird way to get injured when you're like getting hurt. Or you're getting hit 
massively in all these football games and you're okay. And then you like Jeff Wilson, you stand up in a chair and get hurt. I do think, I didn't think Jeff Wilson was going to be involved like at all this year. Uh, So I know people are like, oh, this really opens up things for Trey Sermon and fantasy. My whole thing is if Trey Sermon couldn't beat out Jeff Wilson for playing time, like he wasn't going to beat out anyone in the NFL and he wasn't going to be very good. Okay, so you kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I was thinking, honestly, I was thinking that this opens the door for Trey Sermon not to be RB2, which now he clearly is. I think he could be RB1. I think I wonder if Shanahan, because of Raheem Mostert's injury history, Kyle Shanahan says, you know what? Let's give the ball to this young rookie that we just drafted. He's you know the freshest out of anybody, and we'll use Raheem Mostert kind of like we used him in 2019 as sort of the change of pace back and not like the main guy. Yeah, I think Trey Sermon can definitely be that lead back with – Raheem Oster, of course, also getting playing time. Like, I don't think Shanahan's going to feed anyone back. I just don't think Jeff Wilson was in the way. The 49ers have never, ever, ever wanted Jeff Wilson on the field unless every (laughs) single person was hurt. Like, that's the only time he gets playing time. In 2018, he didn't even get promoted from the practice squad or play in a single game until both backups, Raheem Oster and Alfred Morris, were injured. And then he didn't get playing time until Matt Breda also got hurt. Uh, And then he did okay. I mean, it was literally just okay. Four yards a carry in the best run system there is. And then as soon as week 17 hit, so clearly Shanahan wasn't very impressed with what Wilson did. Alfred Morris came back from an injury and he played the entire game and Wilson got three carries. In 2019, he barely played at all because Coleman, Moster, and Breda all got their carries. Uh, And then in 2020, again, like he only played when both Moster and Coleman were hurt. And people remember two big games. That's it. And the rest, he really did nothing else. I mean, weeks 12 through 17 is when he finally started to see some work because everyone was hurt. 3.3, 2.8, 3.7, 3.8 yards per carry. Like that Arizona game was great. Cool. But he had one good game. I don't think he was... I think he would have made the team just because the $2 million guaranteed he received this year, but I, I think he could have been inactive a lot of games anyways. I, I, I'm not a Jeff Wilson fan. I'm picking up on that, yes. Um, <laughs> when you have to have Alfred Morris get hurt so that you can play, that's not yeah. – I mean, Alfred Morris runs a slower 40 time than I do. And then Alfred Morris comes back the first game from injury and steals <laughs> all your carries again. Like, he's – Jeff Wilson is fine for what he is, and I think people think of him as, like, this better back just because he's – uh, he's done more than we expected, right? He's come in and this random running back is doing more than we expect, but it's in the best running back system. Put anyone back there and they're going to be okay. The 49ers don't spend three draft picks this year if they're happy with the depth they have in Jeff Wilson. Like they they spent two for Sermon, two for two uh, draft picks, two of the fourths, and then one uh, draft pick on Elijah Mitchell. Like you don't do that if you're like, oh, I like the depth we have in Jeffrey Wilson. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that Jeff Wilson, it's weird. Certain guys on the 49ers have like these moments that stand out to people. And you talked about it with Jeff Wilson. He's had a couple of really big games that I think people remember. He was good against New England and he was really good against Arizona. Plus, he also had that game against Arizona where he was literally on the field for one play, but it was the game-winning touchdown catch with about 30 seconds left from Jimmy Garoppolo. So I like people are like, oh, yeah, Jeff Wilson, he's good. And in reality, when you look like you were saying at his the totality of what he's contributed, it's not really that great. 
Yeah, he had just had a couple of nice games. Like, let it be what it is. He was a undrafted free agent. He's come in and he he was a backup, like not even a second string. He was third, fourth string. And he came in and he was okay for you guys. That's enough. Like, he had a nice little run of his career. Like, that's, that's good. I, I don't think we have to expect that he was going to be some main guy in this offense when he never has been before. Shanahan d- like clearly does not want him on the field unless he has to have him on the field. I think that if I had to order the Niners running backs, I would go Raheem Mostert one, Trey Sermon two. To me, I like Elijah Mitchell. I'd put him three, and then maybe Wayne Gallman, and then Jamichael Hasty. Like it's it, to me, like they're all kind of the same person after you get past Sermon and Mostert. Yeah, I think it will be mostly, I would hope anyways, Trey Sermon and Mostert. I think those two will split the backfield. But when Raheem Mostert gets hurt, like that is Elijah, like Elijah Mitchell can come in for him and then it could be Sermon and Mitchell. Wayne Gallman's a sneaky value. Like he was pretty decent with the Giants last year. Decent in the same way that Wilson's decent. Like he surprised us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he did more than we thought. So, but do you think all five of these guys make the team? It's a lot of uh, running backs. Yeah, I mean, God, they do seem to go through them, like you said, but five is a lot at any position. I got to think four at most end up making the squad. I can't, I mean, five, that just seems like too many to me. Yeah, I agree. Would they save anything by cutting Raheem Mostert? I don't think that really makes sense. Mostert is a difference maker when he's actually on the field. Yeah, he is a difference maker. You're right, Michelle. And one thing that he does is he can hide a lot of deficiencies on offense because He makes so many big plays. So even if the offense is kind of struggling, all of a sudden you run a toss to Raheem Mostert and he breaks an 80-yard touchdown run and the offense looks like it's going great when in reality it's not. But he's just that that freaking fast and he, he can, you know, hide a lot of things going on. Yeah, and I think the goal for this team should be to keep Raheem Mostert healthy. So put him in sparingly. Like you want him in the the you want him in the game because he can break off those plays at any time. But like pick and choose when you put him in, right? Keep him healthy and he could be a difference maker for your team all season long instead of just a couple games. And that's why I think Trey Sermon's going to end up with the bulk of the carries. I just, I think that's exactly how Shanahan would like to use him. And there's no reason not to give the ball to Trey Sermon and make him the bell, Kyle. He's, he's strong, he's powerful, he's young. Now is the time to do that. Trey Sermon's one of my favorite players coming out of this draft. I love him. Uh, I hope the best for him. I want Shanahan to feed him. I'm just a little bit weary that he actually will but you know he's going to be taken late in redraft I hope anyway so I can grab him but in the double digit rounds if I'm in fantasy for my 2021 drafts I'll take a chance on Sermon for sure there you go okay uh let's go to the wide receivers now because there's another guy that I'm sure fantasy owners do not care about at all but 49er fans are like chomping at the bit to see and that's Jalen Hurd he's like this mystery right he was drafted everybody said he's young he's big he's strong he's fast he's gonna be great then he comes out against the Cowboys in the preseason has a great play where he mosses somebody in the end zone for a touchdown caught another touchdown where he just trucks some poor fool at the goal line (laughs) everybody was like oh this is it this is gonna be our guy he's great he gets injured he doesn't play The next year, he's coming back from the injury, working off to the side, tears his ACL before the season even starts. Doesn't play. Now, here we go. The rumors have started up again. Jimmy Garoppolo's talking him up in OTAs. Kyle Shanahan says he's going to be ready to go by training camp. And 49er fans are like, yes, Jalen Hurd's going to be great. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to expect from this guy, but anything you get has to be looked at as a cherry on top of the Sunday, right? 
Yeah, and if you're the 49ers, I think you want a weapon like that on the field. Like, I think this is better for the 49ers than it would be for any fantasy player. Like, I I would have zero desire to take him even in the last round. He's fighting for targets with Brandon Ayuk, Devo Samuel, and George Kittle. He's going to be the fourth target at best in an offense that we don't expect to throw a ton, right? They're just a lower volume passing offense. And we don't know if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, if it's Trey Lance, but I do find that offensive weapons are less important and less used when you have a guy like Trey Lance, a mobile quarterback, because then Trey Lance becomes your offensive weapon. You don't need another offensive weapon. Like you use him in those scenarios. Jalen Hurts also 25, has never played a snap in the NFL, is coming off a back injury two years ago, an ACL tear like I don't know. It seems a little bold to expect him to do much of anything. I think he can maybe have some big splash plays, but he wouldn't be anyone that you could actually trust to put into your fantasy lineup in any given week. One of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to OTAs and training camp are always the stories that pop up. It's every team does this. There are always a couple guys on the roster, right? That are like fringe roster guys, but they're getting a lot of run in training camp and OTAs. And, and you get those stories like, hey, Jalen Hurd's looking really, really good. He <laughs> seems to have really good chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever it is. With the 49ers last year, it was Solomon Thomas. Oh, Solomon Thomas looks good. He's rounding into form. Maybe he's taking the next step. Everybody was talking him up. And I'm sitting there like, we've seen this dude play for years. He ain't it. And yet every year we see those fluff stories and then this regular season starts where they play against actual competition and actual starters and they are exactly who we thought they were. A hundred percent. And you're almost like for Jalen Hurd to be a a thing, you're almost saying, okay, well then one of Ayuk Debo or Kittle has to get hurt. And you don't want that as a 49ers fan, right? Like I, I think it's okay for to have these special type of talents that you don't see consistent value from, especially in fantasy, but like they're helping out your offense. They're still a weapon that defenses have to be worried about. So it opens up everyone else, but you know, probably you're not going to want to feed uh, Jalen Hurd to have success in your offense. I think Kyle Shanahan has really high expectations of the wide receivers. If you go back and look at things he said last year and things he said this year. So earlier this week, he said he's looking forward to Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel taking the next step, taking a step forward, which I was like, all right, he's kind of throwing it out there for them. But then I go back and look at last year, some things that he said. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had his best game against Washington last year. I believe he had 10 catches for 119 yards, 113 yards, something like that. And after that game, Kyle Shanahan said, I still think he can play a lot better, and I think he could have last night too. I think he took a small step back last night, and I'm hoping he'll take two forward next week. That's after the best game Brandon Ayuk ever had. And he said he took a – he said he got worse, like – I don't know what it is about Kyle, but he has super high expectations for Debo and Ayuk. Yeah, he is just not a fan of wide receivers, I don't think. Like we we saw with Dante Pettis, like he looked to have some talent. And then it was like, nope, you're not going to see the field. But I guess he hasn't made it anywhere else either. So possibly, you know, maybe he knew what he was doing there. But that is a pretty crazy comment. Brandon Ayuk, like he was such a good rookie uh, for Kyle Shanahan to hate on him like that. Jeez, man. I I know. And after the season last year, 
Kyle was talking about Debo and he basically, I mean, in a very nice way, he basically said he's got to take care of himself and get healthy. He said, every decision I make, I try to look at it as, is this going to be the decision why I tell my daughter that she's moving in January? Is that why they're going to a new school? Players, is that why you aren't going to have the money when it's said and done? Because just a couple of decisions you made is why you're going to be out of the league at 27 instead of 32. Like, dude. (laughs) I I thought Debo was pretty good. I guess not. Yeah, I mean, we all knew coming back from that foot injury, it was going to probably take a full year for him to come back fully healthy. We saw it with Julio Jones. You know, it it took him that full season to uh, actually recover. Debo, I think, is a way better uh, real-life football player than he is for fantasy. So, like, no, I don't want him in fantasy football, but I would love him for my Steelers. Like, he's a baller. He's tough out there in the middle of the field. He'll make those strong catches for you, get those yards after catch. So, uh, yeah, I like him as a real-life football player. He changes the offense when he's out on the field. Just the different things they can do in the backfield with the jet sweeps and the drop passes. I mean, he's a quarterback's best friend. You throw a five-yard pass, he's going to truck two guys, get seven (laughs) yards, and pick up the first down. The problem is I think that he's so physical that that's what's getting him hurt all the time. Like, you know, so it's like, what do you do? Because if he's less physical, then he's less valuable as a player. It's sort of a weird situation. Yeah, 100%. You can't keep using him the same way, but I don't know if he needs to be. Again, like with Trey Lance there, he's going to be that offensive weapon. Like use Debo Samuel more as a typical wide receiver. And then, of course, we'll see his yards after catch go down. But I I think that's okay. Uh, We need to see that transition from Debo being used so short and just being expected to get those yards after catch into a real uh, wide receiver because I think he can be used in that way. Well, that's, yeah, that's something that Niner Nate has talked a lot about, too, on his podcast. He thinks that Debo can be used more traditionally and, and would be effective in that way. And we we have not gotten to see it because the 49ers offense at times was incapable of moving the ball down the field any other way than with those sort of backfield passes. Can you imagine, Michelle, it's first and goal at the five-yard line. Debo comes in motion does like a jet sweep motion in the backfield. And you've got a mesh point where Trey Lance has the ball in the belly of Debo Samuel and you're a linebacker and you don't know if Debo's getting the ball and he's coming full speed around the edge or if Trey Lance is going to have the ball at 6'3", 230 with Debo Samuel as a lead blocker. Like I'm so excited to see what they can do in the red zone with those two guys. And then Trey Lance should fake run it and pull back and just do a little lob to George Kittle right in the middle, wide open, because defenses are so worried about the run. There you go. See, now you're cooking. I like that. A little jump pass, maybe? Yeah, we saw last year with Josh Allen. I mean, he took it so many times in the end zone. That's what defenses expected. So guys were just then open, like wide open. These big, tall, random dudes uh, were just open in the end zone. I'm really excited to see what the 49ers can do with all of these new weapons. They just need to be healthy. And that offense can be fantastic. Uh, it just, it seems like there's something in the water in San Francisco (laughs) where, you know, you drink that water and you're going to get injured just standing up from a chair. I mean, you say that it sounds fake, right? It sounds made up. (laughs) Um, If I told you 700 yards and six touchdowns for Debo and Ayuk, do you think that's realistic for both of them? Where do you think that is? Uh, I think Ayuk should 
be well over that. It all depends on Trey Lance, right? Like how much are they running instead of passing with Trey Lance? How much does he take off instead of throw? But Brandon Ayuk last year was absolutely fantastic, especially let's just talk about fantasy for here for a second. He averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game in 2020. That was the wide receiver 18 and that's in his rookie season. That's fantastic. If you want to hear how good that is since 2010, only six wide receivers have averaged 15 plus fantasy points per game. Uh, In that first year, it was Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk. That is how good he was. Wow. Yeah. In the second half of the season, uh, from weeks 8 through 17, he was seeing 10.7 targets per game. That was tied for the second most among wide receivers uh, in the NFL. And that was tied with Stephon Diggs. Only fewer than Tyreek Hill, who was at 10.9. So barely right ahead of that 10.7 of Ayuk there. Um, And that includes a two-target game in week 16. So, like... He had a dud game and he still was tied second in the NFL. He averaged 18.6 fantasy points per game throughout that time, only behind Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Will Fuller. Like he was so good. So I, I'm all for Brandon Ayuk. I think he should have a thousand yard season if they're using him correctly and throwing the ball as they should. Debo Samuel's the one more that I think that 700 to 800 yards is fair. He doesn't score touchdowns realized way too much on yards after the catch and right now it's not sustainable the yards after the catch per reception that he's getting especially if his targets are going to increase you have to expect uh that yards after catch to go down around to six even like even the best in the league at yards after the catch get about six yards after the catch per reception so he's going to have to get a ton more targets just to make up for that difference so i i'm not interested in Debo samuel whatsoever in fantasy I really feel like this is a make or break year for him. You know, it's year three of a four year deal. He's been really good when he's been on the field, but he cannot stay on the field to save his life. You could see Kyle Shanahan on the sidelines during the game. I think it was, I can't remember who, was it the Miami game? I can't remember which game it was, but Debo comes back from injury, does like one play, and then bam, gets injured again. And Kyle's on the sideline like, just beside himself because he knows he just has to like change the entire offense now on the fly. I could easily see Debo not getting a second contract from the 49ers. If he kind of has a year like last year where he's in and out of the lineup and just cannot, you know, get it together for any significant stretch. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to stay healthy, but again, I just don't think it's fair to look at last year. He was just dealing with that foot injury right off the, right off the bat. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to look at him through the whole season. I know he sustained other injuries than the foot, but it could have been due to that, like him not like compensating for that injury. Like, let's give, I like I keep saying, I like Debo so much more as a real life football player than for fantasy. I do think he helps the 49ers offense so much. Like, let's see what he can do this year. Even if he puts up just 800 yards and four or five touchdowns, it doesn't mean that he didn't help everyone else. It doesn't mean that's not why Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle are thriving. So, you can get him, you know, you can sign him back for cheap because he's not putting up the numbers, but he's still helping your offense a lot. The weird thing is with this 49ers offense, they don't have anybody that scores a bunch of touchdowns, right? You, yeah. you mentioned Debo doesn't score a bunch. Ayuk, you know, he's a rookie, so we don't know. Kittle has never scored more than five touchdowns in any season of his career. Like, they don't score. They they really struggle to stick it in the end zone. And I, I don't know if I look at that roster this year and say I can point to any one guy and be like, you're going to be the guy. 
10 touchdowns for you. Pencil it in. Like, there's still nobody on this roster that will do that. Yeah, but again, it's been Nick Mullins and C.J. Bathard. So before they even can get down near the end zone, they already threw an interception. So we'll, we'll give them a break there. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you mentioned that they just struggled in that area. I think they just need to go to Trey Lance. And yeah, maybe there won't be as many opportunities because he'll be running it in more or maybe a running back will be running it in more. But if it opens everything up, I think that would be so good for George Kittle. I do think this could be the year we see George Kittle just blow up uh, with touchdowns, double-digit touchdowns, if they go to Trey Lance and it just opens up the entire offense. That's what I was going to say. So you think that Kittle is the one who would benefit more than anybody else from the running ability of Trey Lance? A hundred percent. And we we see it with Lamar Jackson. It opens up the middle of the offense so much because defenses are so scared. So George Kittle is going to be wide open in the middle and he's going to be Trey Lance's best friend. Uh, Just like Mark Andrews is Lamar Jackson's best friend. But George Kittle is better than Mark Andrews. So I I think this could be a massive year for George Kittle, like absolutely massive. And uh, let's be honest, the 49ers need that. I have a philosophy that your highest paid players have to produce at levels commensurate with their salary in order for your team to function right and i -hmm. love george kittle i think he's awesome but he has not played up to the level of his contract he has to score touchdowns everybody always gets mad at me because i say that kittle is the second best tight end in the league behind (laughs) travis kelsey well travis kelsey scores touchdowns george kittle doesn't if he's going to get up to that level and the niners are going to pay him all that money he has to score yeah, and it's crazy for anyone to get mad at you for that. Like, Travis Kelsey is so good. And like, George Kittle might be more dominant in certain ways and tougher, but, yeah, uh, Travis Kelsey is the best receiving tight end there is. He's so good. It doesn't hurt that he's got, you know, freaking magician Patrick throwing yeah. him the ball and yeah. Andy Reid designing. But there's no reason that the 49ers offense can't be as dynamic as the Chiefs offense, even though I know Mahomes is really good. Like they have the 49ers have a dynamic play caller and Kyle Shanahan, just like the Chiefs with Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy. I want to give him some credit, too. They have hopefully now a quarterback that can make plays outside of structure, which I think those are the plays that generally lead to like chunk 20, 30 yard plays are generally it's not like just a straight drop back plays. It's the play like, OK, first read's gone, roll out scramble drill receiver breaks downfield and you you know you chuck a bomb down there those are the plays I want to see more of this year because we didn't see any of that last year I'm starting to get more and more nervous that we're going to be watching Jimmy Garoppolo play all season long if he stays healthy if he doesn't get hurt which no one wants to sit there and watch games and root for Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) to get hurt like you're not going to root for injuries but I'm so scared that's the only way Trey Lance is going to see the field because I can't picture Kyle Shanahan actually sitting Jimmy G on the bench if he's on that roster still can they please just trade him please (laughs) they want to I still think that um let me ask you about this because I saw this came out this week John Lynch was giving an interview, and I I think it was with uh, Pro Football Focus. And every once in a while with John Lynch, like he just will give you straight, raw honesty. It's like someone gives him truth serum for one answer. And he said, after the Justin Fields Pro Day, the second one, they're on the plane on the way back, and Kyle is like scribbling on his iPad. He's like really grinding away. And John Lynch is like, what are you doing? Kyle turns to him and goes, look at this. And he hands him the iPad, and it's all plays that Kyle has drawn up for Trey Lance. And this is literally on the plane ride home from Justin Fields' pro day, which by all accounts, he nailed. Like, it was a great pro day for Justin Fields. And Kyle's already scribbling stuff up for Trey Lance. 
when you hear that, how then can you start Jimmy Garoppolo when you hear how excited Kyle Shanahan was? Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't. Like, he should start Trey Lance. I did hear that, so I knew exactly where you're going. And honestly, when I heard that, it just made me feel again we're back in 2017 where Jimmy or where Shanahan was like, nope, I don't care about anyone else. I already have it in my head. I want Kirk Cousins, and that's it. Like, I think he went to Justin Fields' pro day and was like, no, I want Trey Lance, and he didn't even give him a shot that day if he's already right when he's in the plane. So I think he's just a stubborn, stubborn coach, but hopefully it works out for him, and I, I hope Trey Lance is everything that he expects. But, yeah, he, I, you know I'm going to have that grudge on him for disrespecting my boy Justin Fields and not giving him a chance and uh, making the wrong decision, basically. That actually, I never thought of that before. I never made the connection between his sort of tunnel vision for Kirk Cousins and potentially the tunnel vision he may have had for Trey Lance. I I was, you know, because everybody was saying that, you know, maybe Adam Peters liked Trey Lance and Shanahan didn't as much and maybe they convinced him. But you're right. Like, maybe he literally had it. He was locked on Lance and he's making potentially the same mistake he made in 2017 and I can't believe I have to say this out loud, when he passed on Deshaun Watson and when he passed on Patrick Mahomes. I I think he did have tunnel vision. Now, I also think Trey Lance can be a very good quarterback. So I think it can turn out better than passing on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Jimmy Garoppolo, it turned out to be. like I don't think it's going to turn into that type of situation. I, I do think Trey Lance can be good. It's just from hearing that, it seemed like, Shanahan I don't even know why you go to his pro day it seemed like you didn't even care what he did because Justin Fields had a fantastic pro day and you didn't care like it it, it changed nothing so why even put him through that and apparently they had like a 20 or 30 minute conversation on the field just Shanahan and Fields now he had known Justin Fields for a while because he was part of the quarterback collective that Kyle Shanahan runs so maybe they were just kind of catching up and shooting the breeze I don't know but I mean you compare that to the Trey Lance pro day the second one where I heard basically that the 49ers were in and out in three hours, like wheels down, landed, did the pro day, were back on the plane and out of town in three <laughs> hours. It, it's a little bit of a difference there. Because Shanahan already knew. He knew yeah. from the get-go who he wanted, and nothing was going to change his mind. It could They could have done anything at those pro days, and I really honestly believe he already made his decision, and Justin Fields could have had the best pro day ever. Trey Lance could have struggled, and it wasn't going to change his mind. He is a stubborn coach, but he's a good coach. Uh, he's creative. He's smart. He can get this team going. So let's just trust him that he knows what he's doing and hope for the best. So I like to kind of keep tabs on all the quarterbacks from this class because the 49ers could have basically taken all of them except two. And I'm looking at the Patriots Twitter yesterday and uh, Tom Curran has been covering the Patriots forever for NBC Sports Boston. And he said, my first impression of Mac Jones is he's a little smaller than I thought and he kind of needs to fill out. And I just like there was a little bit of schadenfreude there. Like I was kind of like, yes, I'm glad we don't have that guy. <laughs> a little smaller. I mean, what do they what do they want from him? He's a he's a bigger boy. But he doesn't look because he has the he has a dad bod. Basically. He does have a dad bod. So I, if you're six three with a dad bod and you're standing next to somebody that's like six four, but like, you know, cut up and in shape, you're going to notice. Yeah. And you know what? The 49ers and the Patriots are kind of in a similar situation here where they have two quarterbacks that are not similar, like. 
completely different playing style. So it's really hard to go into the season with one and then like change it up mid-season if that's your plan. For either Cam Newton, to go from Cam Newton to Mac Jones is wildly different. Like I don't, I don't know how they're going to even plan that. Like you have to either decide we're going to start Mac Jones from the beginning or we're not going to start him unless Cam Newton were to get injured or something. Like changing in the middle of the year makes no sense because those are so different people. But even Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance is pretty different. So like either like get your system in place now, work through it this whole offseason with Trey Lance, or I guess you're just stuck with stupid Jimmy Garoppolo for this year. <laughs> How about Jimmy Garoppolo saying uh, earlier this week, oh, well, I, I really was doing some things in the offseason to get my body right and bulk up. And dude, what the hell took you so long? You <laughs> haven't made it out of September in three of the last four years. And this is the year now where you're trying to bulk up to get through the season? Like, Really? And I feel like I haven't seen those players who get injured often. You know, they a lot of them will decide, okay, I'm going to bulk up. I haven't seen that take down the injury rate. I don't. I don't know if that helps whatsoever, really. Right, and who, there aren't generally a lot of guys that go from having a ton of injuries to then all of a sudden staying healthy for every single game and being out there. Yeah, I. I mean, it's, we're only one year removed from Jimmy Garoppolo staying healthy like the whole season and going to the Super Bowl. So I think I do think maybe it's a little unfair. I think we should be more nervous if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy all year because that's just a wasted rookie season for Trey Lance and a whole another year he hasn't stepped on a football field. So by the time he actually does, it's going to be three years removed, and that would be really bad. This is unfair to Jimmy Garoppolo, but. Even let's say Jimmy stays healthy and plays like he did in 2019, I'll still be like kind of a little sad and a little disappointed because like Trey is our guy now, right? Like he's the guy they traded up for. He's the guy they draft pick. He emerged from this quarterback scrum, this mystery of like who they're going to pick. Like he's the guy now. And then if Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden balls out and plays well, obviously that's great, but it's different when you do it with a quarterback that you drafted. Like, you know this with Ben Roethlisberger, right? Like, you took Ben in the first round. He comes right in out of the gate and goes, like, 15-1, and one, and you're like, yes, like, we got our guy now. I want that as a 49er fan. I want to know what that feels like. Yeah, and honestly, Ben is the one that got me so into football. He got me hooked. My parents are massive, massive Steelers fan. If you go into my house, uh, my house growing up, like it's like a Steelers house. It's really tacky, actually. Yes. <laughs> uh, they love it. So they, you know, they. I was still super young when they drafted Big Ben. But then once he started playing, I was like, oh, damn, this is so fun to watch uh, and got me hooked. I tried to be a Rams fan for a second before the Steelers just to go against my parents. That didn't last long. What is the tackiest Steelers thing in their house? So I won't say the tackiest Steelers thing. We have a whole room of just like Steelers stuff. I think the tackiest thing we have is um, my mom like has this like uh, shot glass holder thing on the wall. Um, okay. But it doesn't have shot glasses in it. It has the Snickers um, things from when they used to have the football team logos on it. And she has one of the little Snickers of each football team logo hanging up in one of our living <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, my house does not have like anything football related. It's not saying it's bad or good or whatever. But I do have that Adams thing. But this is our podcast office. Yeah, you have a Devontae Adams jersey hanging up on the wall. Do you have a picture of that shot glass thing that you can tweet out with this episode? You know what? I should have my mom send it to me. I I hope they don't listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see this thing now. I'm interested in stuff like that. I like it. We all have stuff 
that we just like that everybody else is kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. I can't you know believe you the have it. The best part of this is the year that she did that, she would, um, so they're in order of divisions and how they were ranked that year. Yes. She put them in that order. Yeah. Yes. I love the dedication. That's fantastic. <laughs> she loved it. She loves football. Like she doesn't uh, know the inside and outs of it. Like she doesn't know the players somehow. She watches it every Sunday, like all the games. She doesn't care to learn the players or play fantasy or anything. She just loves watching the, the game and it's cute. And she roots for the Steelers. Yeah, she's a massive diehard Steelers fan. But she doesn't know any of the Steelers people either? She No, she knows like the Steelers people. She knows the main Steelers people. But once you get into the depth chart a little bit, she wouldn't know them. But she, yeah, she's a diehard. All right. Well, I want to see a picture of this thing. And if, if any of you listening have like crazy weird stuff at your place, like please send us pictures of that. I would love to see that. And we will uh, tweet them out as well. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. If you have any questions, especially fantasy questions, hit us up. You can find me on Instagram at Stats on Fire or on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Michelle is at Ball Blast. I'm on Twitter. I have no idea. Are you on Instagram? No, not for fantasy. I have like a personal Instagram, but I haven't posted in like a year. Oh, you have a personal Instagram. <laughs> Too busy to include us in your Instagram account. All right, that's fine. Or uh, if you want to leave... It's just a... my name if you want to go find it. But again, I don't post pictures. Good luck spelling Majuk, everybody. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, leave a question and review for us too. Five stars, please, and thank you. And that's it, everybody. Enjoy your week. Have a good weekend. Watch the Friends reunion. Michelle, if you haven't watched it by next week, I'm going to be mad at you. I will watch it, I promise. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.